Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to your favorite one-stop shop for horror news, true crime stories, and real-life tales of the unexplained Monsters at Midnight, brought to you by the Zima Podcasting Network. It is the March edition of the show, in a way. Uh, it'll probably be coming out in April, just given the when we're recording and the circumstances and all that. And uh, if you're playing the drinking game, there you go. We got you already off to a good start. <laughs> um, I'm your host, the favorite escaped maniac loose on the airwaves, terrorizing your eardrums, Matt Schaefer. And joining me, as always, is the living dead girl, <laughs> Thunderkiss in 1965, Jolyn Dormady. How are you tonight? Oh, I'm fantastic. I love your intro so fucking much. I try. This is the greatest. <laughs> and Graham is dead. Oh, Graham's not here We today. killed him and I... ate his liver with some baked beans and a <laughs> nice PBR. <laughs> Slurping oh. noises. Oh. <laughs> there he is. Oh, that one was good. That's, that was yeah, all right. That was it's not nearly solid. as scary as Anthony Hopkins. Oh, God. No, he's... Graham is uh, sunning his pale vampire-like body down in Florida <laughs> right now. So a lucky motherfucker. Yes, so we are recording this ourselves. Hopefully everything goes according to plan. Also, if anything goes wrong... Uh... It's my Production fault. Production-wise, yeah, it's all Matt's fault. It's, so it's, it's, my, <laughs> it's my fault entirely. But yes, welcome back. We are excited to be here. We are excited to have you. Um, as always, check out the other hot, creamy content shot into your face by the Zima Podcasting Network. We are on Anchor now. Mm-hmm. We switched host sites to Anchor. Uh, we are also on iTunes and Spotify, of course. And preferably, we hope you're listening to this on the website itself. Um, we're going to start things off for you here real quick. A uh, little bit of, well, we'll just start the show and then we'll go into the news for the site. So, bolt your windows, lock your doors, and turn out the lights. Monsters at Motherfucking Midnight Rides again for the month of March. Woo! April-ish. Whatever it is. There she goes speaking the Mandarin again. Oof. Um, <laughs> So, uh, we'll start off with a little bit of news. Uh, Jolyn graciously has offered me uh, the chance and experience to co-host Horror Trivia with her. If you are in the Milwaukee area, you can find us happy hour at Sabbatic, Mm -hmm. the bar Sabbatic, uh, 5 to 9 is their happy hour. Uh, 5 to 9. Some specials include like $1.50 PBR, $1.50 shots of Tully. Uh, dollar fifty, tall boy cans of hams, and then from seven to seven fifteen, pretty much everything is a dollar. So like single shots are a dollar, a double is two. Then and then yeah, so it's brutal and it always kicks my ass super hard. If she's gonna be doing the actual bartending there. I'm just gonna be there looking less pretty. <laughs> um, <laughs> I but, disagree. But <laughs> it's gonna. <laughs> oh, well, thank you. It's gonna be a lot of fun. We're gonna watch some movies. We're gonna. It's 
based on theme. We're going to pick some movies, ask some questions about the movie. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be a good time. Have so a few prizes. Yeah, if you're in the Milwaukee area, head on down to Walker's Point and uh, check us out at Sabbatic yep. on Mondays. If you, uh, if you can't recognize the building, their sign is just a boot print that looks like an S. That's Sabbatic. Yes. Um, it's a punk bar. And it's honestly the perfect locale for this. Um, And it happens right before Punk Rock Monday, hosted by my lovely co-worker, uh, Bonnie, and her DJ, Richie. Yeah. Which is also fucking awesome. So if you want, come for trivia, stay for Punk Rock Monday. Yeah. All a good time. It'll be a good time had by all. And uh, to promote this further, to get you guys excited, and something that I think I might be doing monthly, depending on the response that we get. I'm going to ask you guys a trivia question. And I do actually have a prize here for you. A prize of three movies. They are specifically on Blu-ray, so you do need a Blu-ray player to view them. Um, I, that's just the way it'd be. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's 2019. Get yourself a Blu-ray player. I don't have a Blu-ray player, so I'm not judging over here, but <laughs> I, I get it. Um, but yeah, um, we want to, again, want to hear from you guys. We've got that email, monsters.midnight, spelt M-I-D-N-I-T-E, at gmail.com. And we w- the first response that we get with the correct answer will be winning these three movies. Jolyn has no idea what movies I have, so <laughs> she's going to be reading off what three Blu-rays you can win. The first one being... End of Days with Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> I talked oh. about this movie a little bit a while ago. It's a movie about uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger versus the devil, essentially. Oh, my God. Uh, on New Year's Eve 1999, he has to stop... The Coming of Satan. Oh, my God. This is amazing. Um, the second movie that you could win if you answer this question correctly. Oh, oh. Friday the 13th. Yes, the original Friday yeah, the 13th. Yeah, get it. I had to, like, check the back and make sure because I'm like, I hope it's the, the, for the it original. It is the original. The, yeah. ri- the uncut version. So Ooh. you can get those uh, 90 seconds of extra footage that uh, apparently was not was too hot for... Cinema Eyes back uh-huh. in 1980. Bum, bum, bum. I have no idea what is added in that movie. But and there's a bunch of cool special features on here, so yeah. that's fun. And uh, the last movie that you can win <laughs> is... Oh, boy. <laughs> okay. Uh, Rob Zombie's Halloween 2. The greatest movie ever made. Uh, I do. I have to say I love their Halloween costumes during that the Halloween party mm-hmm. they go to where they're like Rocky Horror Picture Show characters. I fucking love that shit. Side note, I, uh, yeah, I just learned, obviously, but uh, Rob Zombie is a huge uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show fan. Oh, that makes sense. That um, like because something. I forget what, I think it's Lords of Salem, the chick that plays, oh, I can't remember now. It's either uh, Columbia or Magenta is in the Lords of Salem. No shit. And Barry Bostwick is going to be in Three from Hell. Holy fucking shit. I love you, Rob Zombie. Will you marry me? Yes. Yeah, so <laughs> Cherry Moon. Can you both marry me, actually, maybe? <laughs> Can you adopt me? Yeah, or adopt me. I guess I'm young enough-ish. Well, I'm an adult, though. That doesn't it's, work. It doesn't. That's not how it works. Oof. Anyway. But yes, um, if you, oh, answer, if you answer this trivia question correctly, you can win a Blu-ray horror grab pack of End of Days, Friday the 13th, and Rob Zombie's Halloween 2. And it's unrated and the director's cut yeah. Halloween 2, so... 
So you want this? You want these? Come on. The question, the trivia question is: Throughout his uh, composing career, John Carpenter often worked with another man on his soundtracks. Mm. Who is this man? If uh, you need a little clue, this man would also go on to do the scores for Halloween four, five, and six. Mm. Interesting. So who is this man that helped John Carpenter compose uh, a lot of his soundtracks? First responder wins the DVD, or excuse me, Blu-ray grab bag. Send your responses to monsters.midnight at gmail.com. Midnight spelled incorrectly. Figure it out. You got it. And then check us out at Sabbatic for horror trivia on Mondays, 5 to 9, happy hour. Gets a little crazy, so uh, strap in, kids. Yeah, and then without further ado, let's uh, move on to the actual meat and potatoes of this show. Mm, uh, I love meat and potatoes. <laughs> um, <laughs> the first first topic of business is uh, one of our uh, not one of our most recent news articles, but one of the more recent things to surface right now. One that we've had our eyes on for a while. Uh, teaser trailer has dropped for. Good old QT, Quentin Tarantino's ninth film, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. For those of you that don't know, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, it takes place in 1969, Los Angeles. How was that? (laughs) Television star Rick Dalton, played by Leonardo DiCaprio, and his longtime stunt double, played by Brad Pitt, make their way around a changing industry that they hardly recognize anymore. And oh yeah, the Manson murders are a big backdrop to this story, with Margot Robbie playing Sharon Tate. And, uh... Trying to find who is playing. Oh fuck, Roman Polanski or who? Uh, who is playing Charles Manson? Damon Harriman playing Charles Manson and a host of others. He I mean, looks good. As yeah, Manson he too. does. We only see him like briefly in the trailer, but he looks in- good. Yeah, including uh, Damian Lewis as Steve McQueen, um, Bruce Dern as George Spawn. Uh, I believe Mike. Moe is playing Bruce Lee. That's from what I'm looking at. Yeah, I think you're right. And then uh, some other, uh, of course, some Quentin Tarantino regulars, such as Tim Roth, oh, Michael I Madsen, so and Kurt much. Russell, will be appearing in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. The teaser j- trailer dropped a week or two ago. Mm-hmm. And hey, uh, we're going to. two weeks ago. Yeah, we're going to give our, our thoughts on it. Uh, what do you think of the teaser trailer for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Jolin? Well, like. As I was saying before, I just kind of hope that Manson plays a bigger part than we're led to believe by everything. Because I'm just, which is terrible, I'm sure, but I'm just, I want to see a fucking Quentin Tarantino Manson movie. You know, whatever. I just, I want it. I want it so Obviously, bad. Obviously, you so, should want that. Um, but uh, otherwise, I mean, I love how like chipper it is for the most part. Yeah. Uh, it's just it's very appropriate, I think. Uh, maybe that's dark. I'm also like, I, I like the whole stunt double premise. I think that's really neat. And uh, I was kind of confused when Bruce Lee showed up, and I was like, huh. But I was like, all right, stuntmen, that kind of makes sense. But then I was reading about it, and uh, it was the fact that Bruce Lee was uh, Sharon Tate's and Roman Polanski's trainer before she got murdered. I didn't know that, but I I read that, too. Yeah, and um, I guess he was, like, questioned as a suspect, too. Oh, really? Yeah. I did not know that. Mm -hmm. Learned that today. Yeah. and, like, that little bit where fucking that little girl comes up to Leo and she's just like, 
that was some of the greatest acting I've ever seen or whatever she says. And he just starts like crying. It's like, yes. yes. Oh God, I love it so much. <laughs> and like, uh, as I was reading up on it, you were mentioning the cast. I was like, I didn't realize Al Pacino was going to be in this. And I was like, holy yeah. shit, that's fucking cool. Yeah. And also, I guess Dakota Fanning is in it. Yeah, and she's playing one of the family the, members. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I was like, yes. Ugh, that's exactly what I want to fucking see. So mm-hmm. I'm, I think this is, I'm very excited. I'm I was very already excited, excited too. Yeah. Oh, and then uh, did it just come out that the release date changed with that trailer? Or is that? Oh, I don't know, actually. Um, I don't think it did because I, th- I remember seeing uh, a July 26th release date before, before the trailer. Okay. At least I think I did. Okay. I but sure. yeah, if you don't remember, it was originally supposed to come out in August to directly correlate with the. Uh, uh, 50th anniversary of the uh, Manson murders. So maybe it was a good choice overall. Yeah, because, uh, I mean, Roman Polanski is very much still alive. Um, huh. It's so weird that I didn't know that. I just figured he was Well, I only knew that because I read that Margot Robbie actually didn't meet with Roman Polanski. She read his book hmm. about uh, his life and about Sharon Tate and stuff. Interesting. But, yeah. That's I probably the, wouldn't. Want to meet Roman Polanski? Roman Polanski has gone way nuts. I mean, he's been I can way, he has been way nuts ever say. since uh, she was murdered. But which is weird because he he put out like Chinatown after uh, that after she was murdered, and Chinatown huh. is a masterpiece of cinema. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm incredibly excited for this, um, oh, yeah. especially given the cast. Mm-hmm. The cast is just loaded. Uh, Damian Lewis. Uh, as Steve McQueen is something I'm incredibly excited for. Uh, the guy that looks like the guy that's playing Bruce Lee looks like he, he's got it down. Yeah, he sounds like him. He looks like him. I'm very excited. Also, I saw that Zoe Bell was listed in the cast. We'll so go I'm figure. Like, well, right, and I'm just hoping that she just plays a stunt woman because I'm like, yeah. yeah, she just plays a 1960s version of herself. Yeah, I hope so. Um, I'd be so into that. I love her so fucking. Oh, much. She, Zoe Bell's cool, dude. If I could meet her someday. I would probably shit my yeah. pants. <laughs> I don't think I'm even exaggerating. I'd probably have to like go home immediately after. Yeah, I'd have to take a nap. Um, <laughs> no, uh, also the production value looks incredible. Oh, yeah. And uh, like, gorgeous. Th- uh, it looks like they're using different uh, film formats because uh, the trailer opens with a, like a TV interview mm-hmm. of uh, Leonardo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt, and it's, uh, look, it's super grainy, 16-millimeter-looking black-and-white f- film stock. Um, some of the set pieces uh, of like the TV shows and that uh, Leonardo DiCaprio is playing, uh, per, uh, performing on, and especially that one little quick shot of whatever like variety show it looks like he's on, like that hullabaloo thing. Yeah. It just looks like it. It looks amazing. I wonder it, how lo- fucking nuts this budget was. It's. I just read it's like ninety to a hundred million. Oh fuck. Yeah. And they like because they had to close down like extensive portions of L.A. to uh, and like redesign like and put up stuff so wow. it looks because are like, they using any of like the actual houses? I have no idea mm. that I don't know, but you like I, I know a lot of, like Sunset Boulevard and stuff. They put up so much stuff, and you would see it in the trailer when they're oh. like driving around. Like it looks like nineteen sixties L.A. And because it's you were there. Ta- because it's Tarantino. What? <laughs> it's like because you were there. Yeah, because I was there. God damn <laughs> Sorry, it. Sorry, <laughs> just a dick. Anyway. Why is it everyone? No, you're right. You're it's right. true, though. I'm 83. Right. I was there when it happened. I believe um, it. No, uh, I fucking lost my train. I'm now. so sorry. Oh, no, because it's Quentin Tarantino. It's all done practically. It's not yeah. like in Zodiac where like they 
digitally like made a 1970s san francisco right i can dig that yeah no i'm, I'm, I'm very excited yeah very excited well uh, and it's like one of the few tarantino films where you're like oh this is definitely filmed in for this era oh yeah know? oh yeah well that and i guess inglorious bastards and django i guess he stopped doing that after like pulp fiction so True. i should shut up <laughs> <laughs> i shouldn't base that he stopped making movies movie. same place in the present since of death proof oh yeah i suppose death proof was the last movie he made that took place in the present it's weird seeing a cell phone in a Quentin Tarantino movie, I've yeah. decided. Yeah, and uh, that movie's so good otherwise about just seeming like like you can't really tell, and then yeah. they pull out the Nokia, and you're like, oh, okay, yeah. never mind. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, any final thoughts on Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? Well, I think I've exhausted my bit. I'm just like, I'm that fucking cast, dude. I'm, oh, yeah. It's just every fucking everybody is in that movie. And yeah. if you're not in that movie, I guess you suck. Yeah, I guess so. And according to uh, Quentin Tarantino, this is the closest thing he's done to Pulp Fiction. So that Ooh. makes me even more excited. Oh, God. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> I forget the release sale rate. July 26th. Uh, yeah, July 26th of this year. Yep, July 26th. You can be expecting a visit from our old friend Quentin in your cinema. <laughs> Once upon a time in Hollywood, socking it to you. <laughs> um. Moving on to our next topic, which, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> <laughs> this oh, is why I have the clipboard, ladies yeah, and gentlemen. Yeah, because I, I decided it on the fly. I actually don't know. I forget most of the order we decided on. There's a hot new show on Netflix that came out this month uh, called Love, Death, and Robots. Yeah. And on anthology science fiction animated series, adult animated series. Um, and it is... Uh, Basically, the central themes are love, death, and robots. Like, yeah, that and about right. beyond that, like uh, it's different directors for each episode for and the most like part. Animators different do. animators, different yeah. animation styles. Oh, it's super cool. It's uh, produced by David Fincher and a couple of other very famous people. And I found out, and I actually I felt very brilliant because uh, when I was watching this, it reminded me a lot of one of my favorite movies, Heavy Metal, which is a 1980s uh, animated anthology movie based on uh, this uh, French and American, like, basically, like, graphic novel-style magazine. And when I was watching it, it reminded me a lot of heavy metal, given, like, the themes and the, like, the style of writing and stuff. Right. And I found out that this was actually, uh, it was a reworking of an original heavy metal reboot that David Fincher and all those other people oh. were working on. Wow. So, oh, I didn't know that. That's yeah. fun. Yeah, so... um, you know. Well, um, Jolene ha hasn't watched the entire show yet. I miss... Uh, it's just the last four episodes okay. I didn't see. But that's still... that's that You've watched quite a bit of it. Yeah, I've watched it. it all. And I kind of like it, too, because the episodes are really short. So if you have a short attention yeah. span or if you're getting stoned while you're doing stuff, it's a good show yeah. for you. The the. The longest episode is like 19, maybe not even like 17 yeah, minutes. Yeah, I think it was like 17 And maybe. then like the shortest episode, you're looking at like seven minutes. Mm -hmm. So, uh, Jolyn, what are some of your thoughts on Love, Death, and Robots? Well, I honestly, like, the first episode almost turned me off of it. And I know a lot of people love that episode. And in retrospect, I'm like, those themes are really cool. But it was just so heavy-handed. Oh, is that the one with the, uh, the f fighting monsters? Yeah. Um, and so I was a little bit like, oof, if this is just how this show is going to be, I don't think I can watch this, you know, but I, I gave it another, I get what you mean. Yeah. And, but like the twist in that one sort of helped me and like, 
the the following episode is just like pure comic relief so it's like i think they're good at balancing that where it's like you know they'll have a few like serious or like dramatic episodes then i'll get like one that's just sort of goofy Mm -hmm. um and i think that really helps um let's see oh and (laughs) (laughs) i also i've never seen so much animated fucking oh yeah anywhere but like tumblr and Pornhub. So, <laughs> have two, you seen Heavy Metal? Two thumbs up. Um, no. Actually, okay. Well, no. you need to see Heavy Metal. There are a lot of animated oh, fucking. A lot of animated mm. fucking. A lot of animated tits that. too. Yeah. In I'm both of these, a lot of animated tits. I'm into it. Um, but uh, yeah. Otherwise, also, I learned that I never. Well, I, I never knew that I wanted to see more hillbillies in sci-fi. But I'm like, oh like, yeah, the few episodes. The redneck that, mech episode is pretty. Yeah, phenomenal. I'm just like, this is fucking great. I love these guys. Mm-hmm. You know, they're just fucking farmers running around and fucking robots. That episode things. is great because instead of like coyotes attacking their uh, their herds, it's like uh, it's it's basically they look like xenomorphs. <laughs> oh <laughs> they, yeah, kinda. they kind of really, for lack of a better term, they just look like xenomorphs, and they've all got like their mech suits. That they uh, they get in to take on these uh, aliens that are trying to eat their herd. It's fun, and like a lot of these are really creative. And mm-hmm. I mean, with sci-fi, you can kind of do whatever you want. Uh, one episode that I like, just for pure creativity, and like the animation was really pretty too. Um, Fish Night, the one where oh, they're yeah. in like the desert, and I was like, this is fucking weird, and it's also so pretty, and this is the strangest thing I may have ever seen. Fish but, Night is weird. I don't know if I like Fish Night that much, in all I honesty, liked it. but it was like, so I do love the animation yeah. in Fish Night. And it's such a weird idea, and I'm like, you know, when you're just given like a 15 minute interval to just sort of do whatever the fuck you want, mm-hmm. which is kind of how it seemed like, you know, why not? Why yeah. not? Yeah, fucking I guess so. Fish ghosts. Yeah, fish ghosts. Yeah, that's true. No, yeah, the the creativity for this uh, series is really great, and uh, it has some great um, elements of sci-fi and comedy and even horror. Like, there's a great a little, bit of uh, little bit of fantasy. There's a great uh, Dracula-style episode. Oh, yeah, that one's With neat. The, these almost sort of, like, Indiana Jones-type mercenaries mm-hmm. in this tomb fighting Dracula, and then these cats show up. The well, show like loves cats, the, too. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> well, and it's, like, it's a little... Uh, Oh, like the fucking second, was it the second episode? Yeah, three robots yeah, that with, w- with all the cats. Oh my god, so funny. Uh, three robots, the concept of the episode is these three robots are like on vacation in like the the wasteland of humanity after humanity has gone extinct, but the only thing that's still around are cats. Yeah, I love it. It's so fucking cute. And they like panic when they encounter them because they're just like, what what, what do we do? Is this thing going to kill me? It's, just, it's so fucking cute. Well, I, one of my favorite lines is when he's petting the cat or n- when he's paying the cat and it starts purring, he's like, it's emanating some sort of rhythmic, rhythm, rhythmic sound. And the other robot's like, well, if you stop petting it now, it'll explode. <laughs> and then they bring up exploding kittens. That, yeah, like, the, that the card, game. card game. That game is goofy, too. That game is goofy. It's fun. But yeah, no, that's... um. Do you have a favorite episode out of the ones? Uh, I mean, other, is Fish Night your favorite episode? No, I would actually say... I listed a few, um... I really liked The Witness. The Witness that is my favorite sweet. one. The um, wit- like, the animation is really cool. So good. And, like, fucking animated stripping. I'm just like, yes. No, oh, yeah. The Witness but, is definitely my, my favorite episode. Well, and it's, like, it's also just, like, a creepy concept, which I like. Mm-hmm. But also Helping Hand. Fucking brutal, dude. Hel- Helping Hand is a rough one. Well, and it's I like that one because 
that's one of those things that like you couldn't accomplish that with live action actors. You oh, know no, what? Yeah. You would need to like yeah. animate that. Otherwise, you use CGI up the wazoo. You True. know. True. And so that one, that, that cool. one is also another very effective like, st- uh, like use of horror in, in yeah. this, where it's. It's that like that seclusion and that fear of like loss yeah. of limb and oh. like oh it's, it's that was that was a yeah that was a I cringed so hard that was a hard episode yeah um another episode I really liked even though like the story is just kind of bonkers is Zima Blue oh mainly because the episode that I stopped at I oh okay I Zima here. Blue is the animation is gorgeous that's the name of our podcast <laughs> it is except not just zima anyway no his name is zima blue now i love zima blue f- purely for the animation the story itself is like okay and i'm sure there's a lot of like there's there's a lot of like existentialism oh, yeah, that animation was really weird yeah that there's a lot of like existentialism like in zima blue and it's just kind of like oh okay mm. like robots learning and we've seen it before but i love the animation in zima blue um and i can't remember what the redneck mech one is called oh i can't remember either i think it's like just insects or something like that. i, I can't remember what it's called but no yeah uh love death and robots is a great time yeah. i highly recommend it if especially if you're a fan of heavy metal you should definitely check it out so i, I recommended it to will who was mm. on the episode last time well and i feel like uh like a lot of people who like a lot of different things would be into this show. Oh yeah. There's there's something for everyone. Well, not for everyone. I don't think a lot of young kids should watch it. Probably heavy, not. Uh, there's a not lot heavy of metal. Love Death and Robots. Lots of animated fucking. A lot of titties. So many titties. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Did y'all hear that? I hope they did. That is them. They're breaking up. The giant an- them, the giant ant movie is at our <laughs> door. <laughs> Um, <laughs> any closing thoughts on uh, Love, Death, and Robots? Um, just that, you know, like, I'm definitely going to finish it. <laughs> Which, like, initially, like I said, when I first started watching, I was like, I don't know if I could do this. I see but what you I mean wanna... about that, because that first episode is really heavy-handed with, like, its themes, and it's, yeah. like, well, it's, and it's, it's just... taboo subject matter, too. Well, like... and it's just, like, you know, of course, like, you know, she's super feminist, and then, of course, it's because she was fucking raped. You yeah. Know? It's that, just like, yeah. oh, come on, dude. Like, it's just... I get that. Too too real, but then also in like a sci-fi thing. So it's just like, come on, we don't need I get this. That. But the twist of that episode mm-hmm. makes it like worth it to me. So. No, I get what you mean. Um, one complaint I have, and it's a, it's a minor complaint, um, since it is, I mean, it's it's not technically a continuation of heavy metal, but like I wish there was more just like goofy like thrash metal songs in oh, this series. Fun. But the soundtrack is still really really good yeah like a lot of the music is very like it can be really ambient and there's a lot of like good synth music mm-hmm. throughout it uh, which seems also sort of appropriate yeah. but yeah um if you're not going to check out the whole series i re- still recommend you check out the witness in oh, it because yeah. the really witness good. is a phenomenal animated short film also three robots because that one's three robots is very very fun i feel too. like that one's really easily likable you know yeah and uh Oh, there's one more complaint I have about it is uh, some of it did feel a little gimmicky at some points, like yeah. the uh, the Killing Hitler episode. I don't think I watched that Oh, one you didn't yet. watch that one? Oh, that's right, because that's after Zima Blue. But there's an episode where the whole setup is, like, you've uh, bought this software where you can, like, view history if it were different. And they're like, for your free trial, you will show you one of our most popular uh, 
choices. The death of Hitler. Mm-hmm. And that one just seemed was just like, oh, it's just think of these weird stupid ways to kill Hitler and it's like yeah it sounds like I might kind of enjoy that actually but it, I mean like it was fine but it just but it, 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 it did feel gimmicky. like it was it was gimmicky but yeah. um no yeah it was it's a lot of fun um it has some great talent behind it and some really interesting ideas mm-hmm. and uh yeah check out Love Death Death and Robots Do on it. Netflix the next topic yeah, okay, that's right. You're so helpful. No, the next topic is um, if you're a video game player, since William didn't like me using the term gamer last episode. Why? I don't, I don't know. remember that. Check out that episode if you want to hear Jolyn die <laughs> on, uh, on a podcast. Yeah. It's Maybe. really funny. Uh, I, I mean, I, I think it's funny. I didn't listen to it because guess who got fucking hammered? On <laughs> I think air. it's funny because you it can tell me. you can tell the moment exactly where Jolyn is too drunk to understand what's going. Oh on. no! Okay, <laughs> nobody listened to that episode. No, it's please. really good. Listen to oh, it. Oh no! It's a really fun episode, and me and William geek about anime for a long time. Wow. Um, oh god, I'm glad I missed that. Glad I just <laughs> my brain was elsewhere for that one. Um. But yes, moving on to our next topic. There's a new video game out. Well, not a yeah, a new video game out. Capcom, after uh, their very successful, well, not actually, it wasn't successful at all, but it was critically well received. That their remake of Resident Evil uh, on the GameCube, uh, they finally <laughs> have followed up and do- done a remake of Resident Evil Two, uh, which is sequel to Resident Evil. I don't know where I'm going with this. <laughs> the general plot of Resident Evil 2 is you play as either Leon S. Kennedy or Claire Renfield. Leon S. Kennedy is a new recruit to the Raccoon City Police Department, and he's coming back uh, to Raccoon City after hearing nothing from his, uh, his uh, I don't know what you, his fellow officers. Um, and Claire Redenfield is uh, looking for her brother, and they both meet up by uh, circumstance in the zombie-infested Raccoon City. And slowly but surely, uh, depending on who you play as, different story elements involved, but it comes down to them un- unraveling the devious plot behind the Umbrella Corporation about their weaponized uh, zombie viruses. And I played through the entire thing uh, in a couple of ways. I played through it as Leon and I played through the, uh, B campaign, meaning, uh, like certain story elements are different based on the fact that you played through as Leon. So I've played through it as Leon and the B campaign as Claire. I'm going to keep playing through it just because it's fucking fun. I am a big fan of what Capcom did for this Resident Evil two remake. Um, we're gonna keep this short because Jolyn hasn't played it. But yeah, what I'm do you what do you think about it, Jolyn? I'm not really a video game person, and so I don't have a lot of opinions. Um, but I guess like I'm glad that they're remaking older video games. You know, I'm just glad that they're bringing shit like that back and bringing it to a new generation. Because I remember like all my nerdy friends were super into Resident Evil, and mm. I think I played it like one time in my whole life, and I think it was. Might have been on GameCube. Were you being serious? Was it ever on? Well, GameCube? there there was a Resident Evil remake on GameCube, and I the, might there have were that there one. were multiple Resident Evil games yeah. on GameCube, though. Okay, that that might have been a thing. That seems like something I would have done, but um, <laughs> but like it was kind of like with uh with Pokemon Go. I feel like it's just bringing stuff to a new generation, and I think that's awesome because it's uh from what I hear, it's a really cool horror franchise. So I'm like, yeah, get get into that horror nonsense, you bunch of nerds. True. 
Um, yeah, so I'm going to keep this brief just because, um, you know, no, I'm not really a video game critic, um, mainly because I don't know enough about video games. But I do quite enjoy playing video games. That's all you need. Um, Resident Evil 2 feels great. Like, mechanically, it's a very solid game. Uh, the controls are super tight and responsive, and the gunplay is fun. And uh, it's easy to dump on, like, the fixed camera perspectives and the tank controls of the original Resident Evil 2. But going back and playing Resident Evil 2 after playing the remake, you know, it's just, it's... It's you know what and like as as revolutionary and as important as the uh, original Resident Evil Two is, it's I can honestly say like it's good that we have that remake because there's a lot of ways where the original Resident Evil Two does not hold up and that's okay because video games are an ever changing media and that's fine yeah, like I think that's a good thing. and I think this resident uh, this remake is super good they add a lot of new mechanics such as uh, finding gunpowder to craft uh, ammo which adds a new layer of depth to uh, item conservation and ammo conservation because uh, well if you're a fan of Resident Evil 2 you probably know that oftentimes sticking around and fighting the zombies is not an ideal option and that is still 100% the truth that zombies are resilient, and the t the later uh, enemies that you face are tough as shit, and uh, the game itself is still scary as fuck. Um, there is nothing more terrifying than being uh, on your last few bullets and turning the comer uh, the turning. What the fuck did I just say? You said comer. I don't want to. <laughs> why did you have to say it again? Because that was great. Turning around, <laughs> coming around the corner is what I was trying to say. <laughs> turning the corner and coming around the corner, and both of them came out. Come anyway, <laughs> coming around the corner and finding a liquor. Uh, crouched on the ceiling yes they are called liquors i'll show you a picture of them yeah, um, Comer and liquor oh it's a good day wow it's a great day um the game is scary that's what i'm trying to say and uh the mr x tyrant that stalks you relentlessly and can virtually not be killed is still scary as shit there's nothing even more scary the only thing scarier than finding a liquor is being in what you think is a safe room and hearing Mr. X's footsteps off in the distance. The game looks great. The lighting effects and the uh, just the graphics in general, they look phenomenal. That's a liquor, Jolyn. Ooh, hot. <laughs> oh, sorry. Never mind. <laughs> no, it does look scary. You're you right. had to be there. I, it looks scary. Um, the, the locations are memorable and there's a couple of action set pieces that are exciting, such as a chase, uh, you being chased by a giant mutant alligator in the Ooh. sewers. Um, and of course, uh, the final, the boss fights that are, uh, with the, uh, ever evolving, uh, G virus infected William. Um, but yeah. Check out the Resident Evil 2 remake if you're a fan of the original, a fan of the franchise. Curious or just like a fan of a good action horror game, Resident Evil 2, the remake hits the mark in almost every way. Uh, there are a couple of there are a couple of downsides, like certain certain boss fights can feel cheap because uh there are some 
some battles where you can die in one hit if you're not careful enough. Mm-hmm. And uh, certain story elements, like I wish the like I wish that the two campaigns intersected more. Uh, for instance, like since I played through the game as Leon, it doesn't really make any sense to play through the game as Claire and still have to do the same set pieces and fight the same bosses and stuff like that. But uh, each campaign has enough going for it, uh, difference-wise, that it makes playing through those moments again worth it. Like playing through Claire's campaign the second time, and then uh, in that in that campaign you play as oh I can't remember what her name is, but there's uh, the little girl that she meets. You play as her alone in an orphanage, being pursued by the corrupt police chief, and that was terrifying. Um, yeah. Check out the Resident Evil 2 remake. I think I've said all that I need to say about it. I trust your judgment. Yeah, it's really worth playing. And and I mean, with, like, coming and liquor as I <laughs> sold, <laughs> I shouldn't be allowed to. I shouldn't be allowed either. to talk. Yeah, so, <laughs> And uh, the game is super Let short, too. Um, <laughs> that's a good question. Uh, one, cam- one campaign is, like, seven hours. Um that makes it hard to recommend if you're buying it full for the full retail price, but uh, it's not a long game. It's not a game that you need to buy a fucking wedding engage or a wedding ring for, like enga- engagement ring. Was it? <laughs> I think we broke Matt, guys. Let's just move on. <laughs> oh, Play Resident Evil Two. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I keep looking off and giving a thumbs up as if there's someone there that can see me. Uh, we can pretend it's the ghost of Graham. It's the ghost of Graham. Since we decided to eat him. Here we go, folks. Here we go. <laughs> and the next topic, of course, being ah Robert Rodriguez's uh, new, yes. new film. Yes, of course. My favorite. <laughs> um, yeah, in case uh, you didn't realize, because I don't think anyone did until oh, yeah, like South by Southwest, uh, on top of making Alita Battle Angel, this multi-million dollar James Cameron produced. Uh, $200 million budget. Yeah. Yeah, which is the highest uh, budget that Rodriguez has ever had. Yeah, on top of making that, he, for South by Southwest, he has made a film called Red Eleven, mm-hmm. and he made it for $7,000, hearkening back to his days of his first feature film, El Mariachi, which he yeah. famously made for $7,000. Um, and he did this as sort of a crash course for filmmakers on the fact that you can still do this yeah. in today's world. And he made like a little docuseries about it. Too, yeah, exactly. Called um, Rebel Without a Crew. I don't know anything about Red Eleven. I honestly haven't looked up a synopsis oh, so, or anything. I have, so, I have so many notes. Um, well, it's a science fiction thriller based on uh, Rodriguez's experiences participating in medical research studies in Austin. Which is how he funded El yeah. Mariachi. Um, so I guess he was like writing notes this film's idea while he was writing El Mariachi. No kidding. Um, yeah, so, and apparently that, the, I want to say it wrapped in 2017 and it just screened South by Southwest this year. True. Yeah. Um, but while he was, he was making this movie with his sons, Rebel and Racer, and so he, that's when he also filmed Rebel Without a Crew. Gotcha. Um, the Robert Rodriguez Film School. <laughs> um... Are you cool if I keep talking? Yeah, just I have keep, a lot of things keep to say. going. Keep okay, going. Okay, cool. Because <laughs> I just, as always, I have so many things to say. Unless we're talking about video games, I don't know what the fuck's going on. <laughs> um, 
Unless I've... it's about licking things. <laughs> licking. Uh, <laughs> oh, boy. Anyway, um, I guess, like, in the same sort of, you know, Robert Rodriguez loves to, like, compose his own scores for mm. his films, and I guess his son Rebel did the score for this film. I did which see I, that, which actually. Which I think yeah. is really fun. Um, and I was reading this article that was sort of, like, a synopsis of Rebel Without a Crew, um, but they just sort of, like, honed in on a few specific tips. So I'm just going to list those. I think it's fun to learn things. Go yeah, go ahead. I'm um, excited. <laughs> you sound as, so excited. As, no, I, I am. <laughs> That's um, just how I sound. I took this done this show for nine years, and this is everyone should know by this point this is how I sound. That's fair. Um, I got this from the article Seven Lessons in Modern DIY Filmmaking from Rod Rodriguez's Red 11 Masterclass by Jordan Aldridge. From no film school, just so I'm not stealing anything. Yeah. Um, so one of the tips is refuse to spend money. Uh, uh, that, that's a good one. He also advises to use index cards to storyboard and edit, because mm. you can never have enough of those. Um, make stuff to throw away. Um, I'm assuming, he's, I guess I didn't read into detail, but I'm assuming he's talking about like sets and stuff. Maybe, so you can just yeah. like, um, or he's talking about like just random shots that yeah, you think maybe, that yeah. could just be garbage. But sometimes you need those garbage shots for little fun transitions and things. It's true, yeah. Um, you never need more than two lights, which like I think he was using. That's like, very true. <laughs> I think he got lights at like Home Depot for El Mariachi, is what I heard. Oh yeah, and well, um, and that's the other the funny thing about El Mariachi is half of that movie takes place outside. Yeah. So most of the time, or Andy like Andy. yeah, or most of the time, like. It's in a room that's very well lit. Like, yeah. there's a couple of times since I've watched the commentary on that movie, there's only a couple of times where he really needed to use yeah. lighting. But I'd imagine for Red Eleven, he probably needed a lot because it was in like a like a building the whole time. Yeah, I mean, not a lot, but he probably used it a little bit more. Mm -hmm. um, let's see. Uh, shoot action and dialogue separately. Um, don't be afraid to speed things up. Drop frames and use sound effects for action scenes. Um, and this one I've really liked. Uh, so I'm going to use a direct quote, but um, your attitude to life and art are the same. You'll never be ready to film. You'll never be ready to edit. You'll never be ready for success. But you can break away from the idea that you need to be something before you can be successful or truly creative. I thought that was beautiful. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, it just goes to show that Robert Rodriguez will always be one of my favorite human beings. Oh, God, I love him so fucking much. Even though he named his kids Rebel and Race. I love that about him. Well, and it's like... He's just so fucking grounded, you know. I love he that. Is, you yeah. know, as soon as he gets this big budget, which movie, is funny because he's best friends with Quentin Tarantino, yeah, and like Quentin Tarantino is in insane. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like I, I think it's kind of perfect that he would make this seven thousand dollar film mm -hmm. after getting the highest budget he ever had. You know, yeah, I that's think that's awesome. beautiful. Um, and I guess uh, I was reading about it. And I read this one article, I think it was from, like, Variety.com, and it was just a fucking scathing review, man. They oh, were really? so just, like, you know, this looks low budget. It's definitely low budget. Well, that's I'm like, yeah, yeah, shut up. Of course did it is. Fuck off. <laughs> I was going to say, did they not get the memo on what he was trying to do with well, and this? Well, like, like, they were just saying, like, oh, you know, he just made this movie so he could make the docuseries about it. So, like, you know, and oh. it shows, you know, and it's like, fuck you, dude. Like, you make a movie. Go right, fuck yeah. yourself. Well, even if he did, like it's still like a noble cause. It like, is. It's like, so fucking beautiful. It's, it's yeah. It's He's super. Like it with his kids it's super shit. an important thing. It's a super important thing to teach filmmakers, aspiring filmmakers, yeah. that they can do these things that it's for attainable. cheap. Oh and yeah. The fact that he like wants people to believe that it's attainable, I love that because mm -hmm. you know like. I mean, I guess, I mean, I'm sure Tarantino probably feels that way where he's just like, well, nobody can do what I do for, well, you know? Yeah, that's true. 
So it's like, but Robert Rodriguez is like, no, anybody could do what I, I, could, I could do. Look at this. Look at all this. It's so easy. You yeah. Know? Um, but when I was reading that fucking really shitty attitude of an article, um, I read that, I guess, like, one of the stunt scenes is, like, the main character or one of the characters being chased on a roof. And they, f- like, the way they filmed it was, like, using an a ground level air conditioner and so like somebody stood on the edge of that and then Robert Rodriguez filmed from underneath. Oh, there you go. I don't know if that's true or not, but I'm like, I fucking hope it is. That's oh, amazing. Yeah. Well I saw a shot from the the set and he's back sitting in like a wheelchair with having someone pushing him around as like a dolly shot. Like, oh he used to do that in I think he did he that. He did that in El Mariachi, Mariachi yeah. Too. So I, I thought like that Yeah, exactly. God, fucking Robert Rodriguez, I love you so goddamn much. And actually, the last horror trivia that I did at Sabbatic, it was a Robert Rodriguez, Quentin Tarantino kind of theme. So, so come on down to Sabbatic yeah, for plug. horror trivia. All the plugs. Mondays, 5 to 9, happy and, hour. And you can get hammered, which is so fun. And then uh, remember that trivia question that I asked at the top of the show to win some great movies. Yeah. Plugs. <laughs> anyway. What, do you have things to say? <laughs> I just really want to see this fucking movie. Oh, I know, me too. Like the, the, and if it doesn't, it'll be bad. I'm going to be so pissed. Well, I mean, I don't even care if yeah. it's bad. Like, I, I want to watch it purely to see, like, what he did for that money. Yeah. Especially, like, especially now that it's 2019. Like, I yeah. want to see what it, like, what he did. I don't know how far that would go. Yeah, exactly. Know? Because, like, I mean, when I first heard about it, I, like, I don't, I, like, I was literally, like, I don't care if it's good, I don't care if it's bad, I want to see it, just yeah. because, like, El Mariachi, it, to this day, is one of the biggest uh, inspirations of oh, my filmmaking. Yeah. Um, as I've always been a filmmaker with high ambition, but <laughs> broke. Yeah. And, uh... Feel you, sister. Like... Like, I just, I really want to see it just to see, just like to get that Robert Rodriguez like film school again. And I want to check out the series too, Mm -hmm. Rebel Without a Crew. Um, I have to figure out where I can watch that. I think I have that book. I think I have his book, also called Rebel Without a Crew. Oh, okay. Well, I, I don't know why. I haven't read that yet. What the fuck is wrong with me? I need to read that book, too, because I, I knew that book existed. But I yeah, need, I have a copy I of that. Oh, nice. What the fuck is wrong with me? Why I haven't I read that? I don't know. Ugh. I'm reading fucking Anna Kendrick's autobiography right now. Anna Kendrick's autobiography? Yeah, it's cute. And she's cute. like 12. <laughs> it's cute. It's I'm super cute. Enough. She was like a little theater kid. Anyway. I hate Pitch Perfect. Yeah, dude. Uh, same. But she was in this movie called Camp. That's like this like, fucking off-kilter independent movie just about like a musical theater camp and oh, okay. it, that was like i think her first film and she fucking wails dude oh god i'm getting all sorts of off topic fair enough anyway i'm sorry um <laughs> no that's all right do you have any uh closing thoughts on robert rodriguez's red 11 just i'm hoping it gets like a wide release i don't know how I i'm gonna too, watch yeah. that well i mean I'm, i bet it'll be released on dvd at some point let's at least. hope um but i yeah. wanna i wanna see that shit i am very excited, very, very uh, happy that he's still, even after doing the huge uh, project that Alita Battle Angel was, he hasn't forgotten his roots, yeah. and he's still working and inspiring uh, young independent filmmakers. I love you, Robert Rodriguez. Maybe not unlike me. <laughs> um, next topic... I think I know what it is, actually, but I don't. Yeah, it has. I was right. Okay. Um, 
Oh, God. Welcome to the segment where Matt gets stupid and emotional on a podcast. Oh, God. I don't think I'm going to cry because I've talked about this a lot. But I'm not emotionally prepared for this, so I hope you don't either because if you cry, then I'm going to cry. It's going to be a disaster. <laughs> um, little documentary came out recently. Uh, Four-hour-long documentary that was oof, released four at... Hours? Well, released Ooh. at uh, Sundance, then premiered on HBO in two parts. Little documentary called Leaving Neverland. Oh, boy. Directed and produced by a man named Dan Reed. It's all about Michael Jackson. Yep. And, the thing, and it features extensive interviews with Wade Robson and James Safechuck. Safechuck? Uh, Safechuck, I'm not sure. Uh, about their relationship with Michael Jackson and the things that they claim he did to him, to them. Um, for those of you who have been living under a rock for your entire existence, in 1993 and sometime in the early 2000s, uh, Michael Jackson went to court for child molestation allegations. Both times he was acquitted. And now this documentary has come out with these men telling their story and not holding back on the grim and graphic details Oof. to what happened to them. Oof. Now, I'm going to play devil's advocate for just Oof. one second. That's a bad start, but here we go. Okay, well... It's okay. No, say, this say way, say, right. So the thing is, like, this is how this whole segment's going to go because I have a lot of thoughts and a lot of. For those of you that don't know, but most of the people that listen to this show know me personally. Um, Michael Jackson is without a doubt one of the biggest influences on my uh, life. Uh, he was a huge creative influence, um, in the way that I wrote, and the music that I listened to and the I spent uh, hours and hours uh, learning how to dance like him and for a long time I defended him purely on the stance that he was acquitted both times and there was never any proof that he did the things that he was alleged to have do I know Quite a few people who have been harassed and assaulted. And I. And that's why I was going to say I was going to play devil's advocate because I, I admittedly have not seen the documentary. I, but I've read quite a bit of quotes and uh, bullet points from the documentary. And I get the picture. And. I was going to play devil's advocate saying that the documentary appears to be very one-sided and there still isn't any concrete proof, but that's why I I know too many people that have been harassed and assaulted to ignore the things that these men are saying in the documentary. Um, I should have prefaced this by uh, this is our true crime segment of the show, <laughs> by the way. Um, 
Jolan, I'm going to let you talk for a while while I uh, collect my thoughts for a oh, second. Okay. Um, well, uh, I also didn't see it on purpose because, um, I mean, I guess on principle, I'm just, I'm never going to tell anybody what their experience was or, I mean, especially when it comes to rape and childhood trauma. Like, I, I will believe ev everybody no matter what because it's like so many people spend their lives not being listened to that it's just, it's a waste to, you know, assume or try to assume. Um, I also, you know, I'm not going to say that you shouldn't just separate the art from the artist because I think you can be inspired by somebody even if their actions have been fucking terrible. Because, I mean, you know, everybody still listens to, like, Aerosmith and Steven Tyler did some fucked up shit. People listen to Elvis Bowie. Elvis, too. And Elvis and Bowie and... People still see Woody Allen movies. Yeah, and, I mean, Roman Polanski movies. Mm -hmm. um, and... I know people are still going to listen to R. Kelly's Bump and Grind and probably fuck to it. Mm. So, you know. Hitchcock, too. Well, yeah, and Hitchcock. There we I go. I mean, and not fuck to Hitchcock. I mean, maybe, but... <laughs> maybe. <laughs> but, um, so it's like, I think... I think it's important to take stories seriously, especially stories of this nature, because, you know, we as a society have been dismissing so many people for so long that it's just a waste. But I mean, also, if you listen to the stories of like Macaulay Culkin or Corey Feldman, they're, they're both, you know, they stand by the fact that that stuff never happened. Corey Feldman has also come out saying that he can't defend Michael e anymore. Oh, I mean, he's he still stands by the. He still says that. Well, nothing happened to him. To him, yeah. but given the fact that things have happened to him, and his his him. policies and trying to fix the problems about survivors of this sort of thing, yeah, he he came out fairly recently saying that he can no longer defend him yeah i suppose i mean and i feel like that's fair because one person's experience isn't going to be everybody's experience with a person you know it's like saying that like oh well there's no chance that my friend drugged you because he's always been so nice to me you mm -hmm. know so it's like i i also do agree that like i don't know if making a whole documentary about it is going to make anybody feel better i don't know if that's the right way to approach it especially now that it is so one-sided you know mm -hmm. and it's like and i'm not i'm not saying that they're unjustified in coming out and talking about it because you absolutely should but i just i don't know to me that seems like that maybe wasn't the best way to go about things you know and it's like it's I suppose it's also important, like, if that stuff did definitely happen and, you know, they're coming out and talking about it, then it's good for people to know context-wise, I guess. But it's just, this timing seems bad since he's dead anyway, you know? Let's, and again, like, I'm not sure if this is appropriate to say, but I'm going to say it anyway. The only people that truly knew what happened, that I mean, that can honestly and truthfully say what happened were the two men in this documentary and Michael. Yeah. And Michael is dead. Yeah. And, and but that being said, like they were also kids. I can't the the I can't dismiss what they're saying as no. untrue. 
because that's unfair to the numerous, numerous people that that are survivors of this sort of abuse and this sort of trauma. And I don't know. It's but like, like I said, I think it's okay to separate the art from the artist. And I know like a lot of people probably disagree with that. Well, I don't think, yeah, I don't think there should be a rule on that. Like I think people can feel however they want to feel about well, yeah. that sort of thing. Yeah. And it's like, you can't deny what Michael Jackson did for music, you know, mm-hmm. and he did a lot of things, but, you know, you can also look at that and be like, well, this also happened, so that's a factor, but you can still enjoy the music and take it apart, you know, because sometimes you have to. I like, like I said, with like Elvis, with, you know, uh, Aerosmith, with Bowie, it's like those are all not so great scenarios either but uh you know you can still listen to their music you don't have to like beat yourself up about it you can still be inspired by them you know yeah just for different reasons true yeah um yeah uh so i don't really have an end for this segment other than this documentary exists i Probably will watch it at some point in my life. I don't think I can. I don't think I can stomach it. Um, but uh, the thing is, like, and I don't know, this is where I sound super dramatic. To watch this documentary is to watch that part of my life die, yeah. I feel like. so. And it's all, I already have been feeling it slipping away ever since reading about it and learning yeah. about it. It, That's hard. The whole situation greatly upsets me, and I hope that, assuming what these men are saying is true, I hope that they are on the route. The route. Mm-hmm. My Dane Cook, all of a sudden. I hope they are on the route to recovery. I hope that they know that. None of it was their fault. And I hope that the people that love them and support them will continue to be there for them in their life. And I hope that someday they can heal completely from what happened. I think this is the heaviest we've ever gotten on Monsters at Midnight, kids. (sighs) Can we talk about semen again <laughs> what can we talk about semen again <laughs> uh, no it was liquors oh well, well yeah, I mean, we talk about we talk Liquor about semen cumber. a lot anyway oh, uh, timing uh, i'm going to we're gonna take a break here and i'm gonna regroup and get amps for the final half of our show so stay tuned boils and ghouls okay we're good all right and we're on we're all on right. we're rolling welcome back thank you for bearing with us there for getting real with Monsters of Midnight. But we're back. And we're going to talk about another one of my favorite human beings. He has just... His name... <laughs> I guess I'm still not fully here. Oh, we're getting there. His we're getting name there, is Jordan Peele, and Woo. he just released a new horror movie called Us. Yeah. And we saw it at the Oriental Theater at a preview screening. Yeah, it was a neato. 
they might be doing more of those too. So you know. Yeah. No, it was keep because listening. the turnout for the us screening was fucking ridiculous. Yeah, dude. And I'm not surprised. Cause yeah. Fuck. I was reading about this. Uh, this is the biggest opening ever of an original horror film. Yeah. And it's the highest domestic opening weekend gross for a movie headlined by a black woman, and it grossed fucking seventy million dollars in its first three days. Fucking Jordan Peele. Yeah. Right. He's I, killing it. I quote Rex from Toy Story. He's at it again. <laughs> Seriously, though, Us is amazing. Oh, it's so fucking. Uh, and I love that, like, he made this as a response to people calling Get Out anything but a horror movie. He's like, he's like, fuck you. I'll make a horror movie then. That's definitely a fucking horror movie. Yeah. Too. No. Uh, uh, so Us, the general concept of Us is a family goes on vacation, and a group of doppelgangers attacks them at their uh, house, their summer home, and uh, a lot of relationships between the family are revealed, and uh, it is revealed that the mother of the family, was actu- she actually encountered her doppelganger when she was very, very young at the Santa Cruz Pier, and uh, shenanigans ensue. <laughs> shenanigans, so, uh, indeed. We're going to... Do the format we usually do for brand new horror movies. We're gonna start off with start off, <laughs> start off with a new step out. Just, what the fuck? I can't talk. Fucking God damn. School of Rock. Anybody? I don't know what School of Rock is. Are you serious? No, I know what it is. Oh, I was like, what? It's that animated show where they no. sing about electricity and conjunctions. What's the Schoolhouse Rock? You know what I'm talking about. I know about. what you're, you're a dick. About. Okay, all right. I was like, where am I? <laughs> Who are you? I've never seen it, but I know what, what it is. Yeah. Oh my god, it's so funny. I have it on DVD. Well, I'll <laughs> oh, have to watch, watch it. it sometime. Um, I love that movie. I'm not ashamed. No, a lot of people love that movie. I've just never seen it. Um, but yeah, um, we're going to, what the fuck? Okay, we're going to start off with our non-spoiler review of the movie, yep. and then we'll move into spoilers, and we'll let you know, and that way you can tune out, and uh, yeah. So, non-spoiler review of the movie. What do you think, Jolene? I'll oh, okay. start with you. Um, I I think there's like a really, it was really well-placed in terms of comic relief. Mm-hmm. Like, even during like scarier scenes, I feel yeah. like they, they snuck it in there really well. And he's a he's a really he's really good at balancing the two. Yeah, and it felt good. And also like so usually when I go to crowded theaters and then people like laugh at inappropriate times they get really fucking pissed because I'm like, this is a serious movie. Like mm-hmm. what are you doing? But like with this movie it kind of worked and it yeah. made it like kind of okay because mm-hmm. then because I mean in front of us when we went there was just like a bunch of kids. Oh yeah, and I was oh, like, like there was like should. a whole family there. Yeah. yeah, I was like you should maybe not be here for this. It was like four like fucking. They handled it well though. Yeah, they <laughs> did. But like so they were like giggling at points. And I was like this is actually pretty appropriate because you know like near more serious and like. Uh, scary scenes, he would throw in something a little bit funny. So I was like, yeah. this works. This yeah, actually is fine. And it makes me less mad at the people around me, which true. I like. Um, and I guess uh, I can say this. I had a lot of questions by the end of it still. Um, and that just kind of makes me want to see it again. So mm-hmm. I wonder if that's just a thing that they planned, maybe. It's also not a bad thing for a horror movie to leave a lot of no, I think it's, on the air. It's good. Also, like, you know, suspension of disbelief is always important. And, uh, the mystery kind of adds to it, so I'm like, I think that works. True. Um, let's see, is that all that I have? In terms, of, yeah, I think that's pretty much all I can say without kind of spoiling it. Fair so enough. So if you if you have opinions that are non spoilers that you want to get into, good sir. 
Um, well, I'm going to just say briefly, like, uh, everything about this, mostly everything about this movie, really, really works. Mm -hmm. The doppelgangers are appropriately creepy and oh, also yeah. very funny, too, in yeah. the same regard. Um, the family dynamic of the main family is really, really good, really oh, yeah. believable. And there's yeah. a lot of little moments where, like, even in the midst of, like, a bloodbath horror scene, there's, like, there's, like, a moment where, like, the brother and sister look at each other like, you're so weird. Like, this mm -hmm. super genuine, like, brother-sister moment. Yeah. And then they're, like, bickering about who had the highest kill count at one yeah. point. And it's, like, genuine. The family feels so genuine and yeah. real. And like you said about the comedy, it never feels tacky. It never mm -hmm. feels oh, peanut butter on my penis. Like, oh my it, god, it feels... yeah, fucking that shit pissed me off so bad. Like I laughed, but I'm like, come on. It, it feels That's really genuine. Shit. It feels. Um, I love the production design of it. Oh, Michael yeah. Abel's oh, and the soundtrack, soundtrack yeah, is so oh, good. God, um, god damn, so good. It's on Spotify. I was actually listening it on my, uh, on the way to work. I might and, do that. Uh, what a commute that was. Put it on while I'm showering, just yeah, get exactly. fucking terrified. Yeah, exactly. It's like I'm in psycho. Um that yeah, no, the, and uh and again, uh, Jordan Peele is such a smart filmmaker. Oh, There's a yeah. lot of little easter eggs and clues throughout the movie. And uh but yeah, the the movie is an one and once it gets going, it keeps fucking going. Yeah. And it's one of the best it's almost like a home invasion movie, but like on a grand scale. Yeah, I like and that. And I really like it. It's like a cat and mouse like chase movie. Mm -hmm. I was definitely like covering my eyes at some point. Like, oh, no, yeah. It's actually, I'm there's a, a lot of really good suspenseful, like even more suspenseful moments than in Get Out. Like Get yeah. Out in general was like creepy throughout yeah. the entire thing. But there's a lot of moments that are legitimately like great suspenseful moments. Oh, yeah. And uh, so, yeah. We highly recommend Us. It's playing now. Go see it. Go see it. Give them all your money. I'm going to see it again. Fuck, come with me. Yeah, exactly. Come with us <laughs> if you want to live. Um, now we're going to move into the spoiler section of the review. So turn us off now turn if you us don't off want now spoilers. If you don't want spoilers. This is the end of the show anyway. This Pretty much. Last bit. Bye. Okay, we love you. <laughs> uh, all right, spoilers of Us. It was still great. <laughs> um, uh, just, I guess, spoiler, talking about specific moments that I really liked in Us, the moment, there's a whole, they set up this whole bit with this uh, little beater, like, motorboat that the dad oh, buys, yeah. and how it doesn't, the motor can't keep running, and, like, you can hit it, and sometimes it'll start back up again, and sometimes it won't, and that plays in really well when, the dad's doppelganger, doppelganger is fighting him on the boat. Oh, God, that scene and, is so fucking good. Like, the dad the dad uh, kicks the doppelganger out, or hits him with a thing, and he falls out of the boat, and then the boat starts back up again, and the dad falls into the water. Yeah, that's so fucking and, good. Oh God! I can. Just, this is the same thing we did when we did the Halloween review. I, just, I, I like, mean, this is so just want to geek that about so a couple good. of things real quick. Is just Jordan Peele is such a genuine horror fan. Like oh, yeah. at the very beginning, it sh since it flashes back to the little girl's uh, or to the mother's uh, time as a little girl mm -hmm. on the Santa Cruz beach. Uh, there's like it first starts off with a, a slow pan in on a TV where it's showing a couple of commercials and things like that. Oh, yeah. And you look, there's a v couple of VHS tapes on you the side. You that, too. And one of them is Chud, yeah, which is that. a movie about 
humanoids that live underground, and you eventually find out that, that the, the, tethered, the tethered, the doppelgangers live. They live in this like bunker underground. That's fucking great. And I love the like the little boys got his Jaws T-shirt, and mm-hmm. a lot of it takes place at the beach, and there's like scary moments in the water and stuff. Yeah. Oh God, they do that well. Did you? Catch and I didn't. I didn't catch this. Well, I heard it, but I didn't think about it. I didn't think about it until I read about it later. Hmm. The when it flashes, it's at the very beginning when it's the mom as a little girl. Yeah. Her parents are talking about how they're filming a movie at the carousel. Oh my god! Is they're that filming the Lost, the Lost Boys? Boys? Holy shit! Oh my god! I didn't catch that. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah, exactly. Oh, fuck! I'm sorry. I'm shouting at the microphone. No, you guys. it's so good. It's it's so good. Oh my god! Holy um, shit! That's fucking amazing. Some other like, and there's uh, the moment you realize that everyone has a doppelganger is such a good reveal. Oh yeah. And when you find out that it's like a global event. Yeah, it's fucking It's terrifying. a really like good Night of the Living Dead moment when mm-hmm. they like turn on the news and realize it's like exactly what's happening. It's yeah. such a good moment. Um I'll let you talk for a while oh, since that's I fine. just talked. Um well, it's like there are a lot of specific scenes that I really liked like um Near the end, when our lead is is uh, fighting her doppelganger, um, she begins limping, and she starts acting a lot like the tethered do, mm-hmm. where they're like linked to their doppelganger, and it's almost dance like. The, the music during that scene, yeah, is it's amazing. so it's like a fucking waltz, yeah. you know, and it's just like or a tango, I don't know, but um, it's like. You know, as the doppelganger moves, she moves very, like, stiffly. And then our lead is, like, dragging herself along, like, inching towards her Mm -hmm. all in rhythm. And it's just so cool. It's so interesting. And that's what I loved about the Suspiria remake, too, is, like, those dance scenes. Oh, God, it's so good. I mean, I think so. A lot of people didn't like it. I loved it, um, as we all know. Um, But, uh, and I guess, like, part of me... The, the twist that's revealed that, like, the very end, I kind of suspected, as we were talking about before, um, I kind of suspected the whole time, but I think they did a really good job at, like, burying the lead and misdirecting, mm-hmm. so it was, like, still kind of a question and still sort of like, but isn't it, or mm. what's going on, you know? Um, but I just, I think, I think that was well-placed. Um, and, like, the details of the that final reveal, I wasn't expecting, like, yeah. the, the length of it, I guess. Um so yeah, I just I thought it like I said I definitely want to see this again because like th- I'm sure there are things that I missed and I mean there it, I feel like it would still be creepy the second time through. Oh yeah, you know like because there are just like moments where I jumped. I mean it was partially because my boyfriend kept scaring me <laughs> at, at every like suspenseful <laughs> moment and then I'd like jump a foot and punch him in the face. I didn't do that, but. Wanted to. She did. I saw it. He's lying. <laughs> um, but uh, but it's like it's really good and suspenseful. And I also love when you know not every suspenseful scene is like ended with a jump scare, and they were really good about avoiding that. True. But th- which that's not really a spoiler. That's just true. True. But um, that it, might be it. We talked about this before we started recording. I didn't really like the twist ending. Yeah. Um. I don't know. Should we spoil this? I mean, um, we're spoiling the movie yeah, anyway. We're spoiling, it we're spoiling the movie anyway. Basically, so at the end of the movie, listening now, let's hope you've already seen this. Otherwise, why the fuck are you listening? True. Um, at the end of the movie, it's revealed that the mother. Well, it, through the whole movie, the mom, the mom, the <laughs> the, mom. the mother is re- remembering. Uh, 
the events after meeting her doppelganger as a little kid. And it's all very, like, traumatic. She becomes very catatonic and isn't speaking. And then at the very end, you you realize, and it's shown that the reason why is because the tethered, the doppelganger, um, actually incapacitated the real little girl and switched places with her. Yeah, so the reason she wasn't talking was because she was one of the tethered and didn't really know how to. Yes. So, so she slowly learned how the, to It's revealed that acclimate. the mom throughout the entire movie was actually a tethered, mm-hmm. and the tethered was the real little girl that was yeah. then trapped down there. And I thought they were good about like burying the lead because most of the tethered, they can't really talk. And so you just sort of assume that, like, well, she's functioning like a normal human being, so how... Could mm-hmm. this be a thing? You know, she's so nice. Yeah. Whatever. Well, that's and my that's my biggest. Uh, I I'm I'm torn on the twist ending because I kind of like like uh, the real because the, it would be the real little girl wanting to get revenge. Yeah, and I like, and, that like the way the... that she leads like a revolution with the tethered. Yeah. But I also just the and again like we were talking about. I don't know enough about child psychology and trauma and repressed memories. It feels like a too convenient gimmicky plot twist to just throw that at the end and remember it and all of a sudden like she remembers it and like yeah and like because it's useless at that point because at that point it's like she's still their mom like she's she's a human for or i mean like and and, like we don't really know what the doppelgangers say that they're human but they're like they're just weird Mm -hmm. and like but like it's like why what does it change like like she's still their mom and she always has been their mom and it's implied that the little boy knows but the little boy whose name is jason by the way so cute with his little like wears a mask mask. all the time it's so cute i love oh i love and i think there's a copy of friday the 13th vhs at the beginning it was nightmare on elm street actually oh never mind my bad um well that's kind of funny because the doppelganger is a little arsonist so true that's That's true yeah that's true um yeah, I love, but yeah, going back to praising this movie, I love all the little quirks and how they make the doppelgangers just look different enough. Mm. And yeah, no. Um, despite the uh, what I consider a, a sort of sloppy dismount, I still love just about everything about us. I also like, think maybe if we revisit it, it might be a thing less where she's like... Because, I mean, maybe she was, like, voluntarily repressing that. You know what I mean? Like, maybe it was maybe. on purpose. And maybe she, like, knew, but she just was trying not to think about it. And that's why she wanted to avoid Santa Cruz so much. Maybe. I don't know. Because that's kind of what I was thinking. Um, but I don't know. Uh, so I I want to revisit this movie and see where it goes, you know? Yeah. I I, I mean, I very much want to see this movie again. Because yeah. I love... I love just about everything about this movie. God, it was so fun. Oh, yeah. And, uh, again, riding that Jordan Peele hype train, I will follow him to the grave. I'm excited to see what the new Twilight Zone is like. Did they bring out a – like, I saw images from that, but did they get – was there a trailer? I think they they teased the first two episodes because the first episode they're remaking Terror at 5,000 feet. Oh, cool. Okay. Um, But I don't know what the second episode is. Okay. Um, But, yeah, no, I'm, I'm all about Jordan Peele. He's yeah. a very, very intelligent and very creative and very passionate filmmaker. Oh, and you were saying for his new Candyman movie, who's playing? Candyman? Oh yeah, the, for the Candyman movie, he's producing uh, the 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 guy. I can't think of his name. The guy who plays uh, the mom's father. 
Yeah, in like the beginning part. In the beginning, and the flashback scenes is playing the new Candyman. Which I think is exciting. Yes. Super excited. I'm very excited. Woo! Um, but yeah, uh, if we didn't make it clear enough, check Fucking out... see us. Check it out, us. We recommend it See it again. Entirely. See it five times. See it, yeah. See it with someone you love. See it with someone you hate. See it with me. See it with us. Like both. <laughs> we're, we're probably both, right? Love and hate kind yes. of thing. Um, So, yeah, that concludes the March Pearl episode of (laughs) Monsters at Midnight. Uh, I'll repeat the uh, trivia question for you guys. A man, uh, name the man that helped record John Carpenter or helped compose John Carpenter's soundtracks throughout the 80s. Uh, the hint being, he also went on to compose the soundtracks for Halloween 4, 5, and 6. First response at monsters.midnight, spelled incorrectly, M-I-D-N-I-T-E. at gmail.com. Yep. Uh, gets the Blu-ray grab bag of Rob Zombie's Halloween 2, Friday the 13th, and End of Days. <laughs> That's amazing. Come see us at Sabbatic. Five to nine on Mondays, Mondays. Yeah. to do some fun horror trivia. And maybe give us a kiss. Letters. Don't yeah. do that. Don't yeah, do don't do that, that to me because I'm bartending. I might punch you in the mouth. Don't do it to me. Yeah, or maybe do it. I don't know. <laughs> Catch me with my guard down. <laughs> um, fuck. Jolin, thank you as always for oh, being my here. Graham. This is great. Oh, fuck. Yeah, he's, he's not, not here. here. <laughs> um, Thanks, you, Graham. Um, I'm your host, as always, Matt Schaefer. And. Now, if you'll excuse me, I'm going to go see us five more times. Yeah, here we go. Have a groovy evening, everyone.